Irish NFL show. Firstly, thank you for listening to the show. We truly appreciate all our listeners. If you are enjoying the show, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whichever podcast platform you are listening on. It makes a huge difference. It helps others to find the show, and we would massively appreciate it. Also, reach out to us on social media. We love interacting with listeners and with fans from wherever you are in the world. And with that said, on with today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome in to today's Irish NFL show with me, Colm Cronin, and delighted to be joined today. Uh, the man behind Raz, the relative athletic score. Uh, he is also the curator of the Mock Draft Simulator with Pro Football Network. He is a math bomb on Twitter, Kentley Platt. Welcome to the Irish NFL Show. Happy to be here. I'm delighted. I'm delighted to, to have the, the opportunity to, to chat to you. And look, I suppose... I'm always kind of interested in people's like football origin stories. And like, obviously over here, it's, it's probably a little bit different because people come to it, you know, you grow up with it here. It tends to be some way somebody comes across it. Now, whether that's Madden, whether that's Red Zone, um, whether that's a family member who arrives from the, the States back to Ireland and brings a football or, or a jersey. But, but for you, in terms of, like, when did you fall in love with the sport? I grew up I grew up watching football. I'm a, I'm a Detroit Lions fan, and I grew up during the Barry Sanders era. It's very easy to fall in love with football when you get to watch somebody like that, you know, that that transcendent talent. Um, and, and Barry's just one of the best to have done it. You can still go back and watch his highlights and, and be delighted with everything that you're watching. It's one of the, of the funnest people to ever watch play football. Um, so I fell in love with it that way. Um, I started getting into the analytics side of stuff much later. I, I served in the U.S. Navy for uh, about nine and a half years total, but about about two thirds of the way through that was when I really started getting into football more more in depth, more more deep into it. Um, and it all started watching a, a high school um, obstacle course that had been set up, and it was being filmed. Something, something sponsored by the U.S. Army that they had done, and I watched a couple of players go through this obstacle course and a bunch of different different things that they had to go through. And the, the first player that went through it, you know, he, he finished this obstacle course covered in sweat and, and out of breath, and he's talking to the, the interviewer and explaining, you know, how excited he was to be there. Uh, the next player came through and did it in half the time. And he's still out of breath and, and still sweating a little bit, but, but literally twice as fast. Um, and that ended up being Kelvin Shepard, who's a, a coach for the Detroit Lions. He's a, a linebacker's coach, just by coincidence. We're not all Lions things. That's just coincidence. Um, and I was I was just amazed at like, how much more athletic he was than the guy that had just done it. Because in, in my eyes, you know, he, the other guy did plenty fine. Uh, and then another guy came in who was way bigger than the other two guys that had gone. And, and you think to yourself, well, he's not going to be faster, right? And just completely wrecked that course. Um, he went through it in, in a significantly faster amount of time, was not even out of breath, didn't, didn't break a sweat at all. There was one section where they had to go under uh, a jungle gym type of setup and they had to go real low to the ground and swing around this corner, kind of like what they do at the tail end of the cone drill. Uh, and he just put his hand in the ground and spun underneath it in less than a second. It was wild. 
Uh, and that ended up being Von Miller, who went to went to college and dominated in college, became a pro and dominated as pro, um, and was a ridiculous athlete. But seeing that type of difference in the type of athletes that people could be really inspired me to get into that level of it and start digging into the analytics. Um, and I've been doing that's interesting uh, to to hear about what inspired. So, so that that was essentially the the origin of Raz. Then yeah, Raz came uh, in 2013. So that that got me into the 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 athletic testing and, and understanding what was going on. So it was mm-hmm. the, the beginning of just being, being even involved. So so the a that was the that was the little A chord. Oh, yeah. And then in 2013, we had a player at MSU, Le'Veon Bell, um, who ran a four six in his 40 yard dash and the entire draft period all we heard was how un- unathletic he was and i'm sure you've heard her truck your buzzwords like that all the time you know this guy's quick but not fast this guy's explosive this guy's super agile they have all these buzzwords that people use and they didn't really mean anything and what bugged me was at that point i had been paying attention to the, the athletic testing and sure he ran a four six but he was like 230 pounds running a four six is perfectly fine that's an acceptable number. He's not a bad athlete. Even if you're just using the 40, that would make him an okay athlete, not bad. But the rest of his testing was really good, so he wasn't a bad athlete at all. They were just looking at one test, and they were defining his entire profile based on that. And every time I heard his name mentioned, it talked about, well, there's a lot of athletic concerns. No, there there isn't. Why do you, why do you keep saying it? Uh, and that that was really the the linchpin that made me decide I've, I've got to do something to show what what's going on. It, it's that that somebody's wrong on the internet mentality, where you have to go out and and find a way to do it. Um, so I, I started developing a system that I thought would be really easy to understand. At the time, I watched the, the combine and, and a lot of that football stuff with my dad um, and my mom, who just they're, they're, they're layman's when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, they, they enjoy watching it, but they don't really care all that much. And they don't understand, you know, the difference between a good 40 yard dash and a bad one. They're just like, yeah, that guy looks fast, you know? So I started putting together a way that even they could understand anybody casual coming into the sport could understand. So we got a zero to 10. Everybody understands that zero is never good on a zero to 10. Nobody wants to be a zero in anything. Um, and of course, when I started putting visuals behind it, I, I stopped like color coded it because red, yellow, green, everybody knows what the good one is. Everybody knows what the bad one is. Um, and it's been a lot of fun ever since then. It, it, it hasn't stopped and it keeps getting you know more fun and more exciting to do. And I hope I can keep doing it for a long time. Yeah, well, you're you're very good at it, and it is. I mean, it's so accessible. So I don't see any reason why why you can't. I suppose I, I'm interested in terms of, you know, the because it it sounds like you're you know you're very you yourself are obviously very analytical. You're you're very maths oriented. Like, what are the the tweaks that you know you you continue to to make with it? of years i didn't really change anything because i was a little bit arrogant in my my thinking of what i had created like this is this is cool this is a neat thing um and then we had uh byron jones uh out of out of what was it yukon who jumped a 12 foot three broad jump which was a world record for the broad jump not just at the nfl combine but the whole world anyone ever uh and it completely broke my original system that I had developed and and it was still based on a zero to 10 and, and the color coding and everything but the calculation wasn't efficient enough it wasn't good enough to be able to, to deal with guys like him 
that break your system. Um, and I had to tweak it. I had to figure out a way to rewrite it so that it, it made more sense. And it, it was by coincidence, I had gotten a very large chunk of data for a friend of mine who was a scout, who was kind of interested in the stuff that I was doing. And um, he gave me, I think, 6,500 players or something like that. Um, so I was able to, to advance the size of the database and make it much bigger, much more robust. Um, since then, it hasn't really changed all that much. Just a couple of, of rounding corrections and finding ways to, to fix the data, adding players that I find data for. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite things that I found when I started going back through and doing um, the, bold, the older players, um, doing research on older players that people didn't really have testing for, um, was Dallas Clark, who came out in 2003. Um, because he's a tight end, he's 257 pounds. And he ran a sub four second shuttle. He ran a 3.85 shuttle time, which is bonkers for a tiny cornerback, right? And a six, a 385 is insane. And then I found his cone and it said he ran a 6.33 cone time, which is one of the fastest cone times anyone has ever done on planet Earth. And he's two, almost 260 pounds. And you're like, there's no way that's real. That can't be a real number. It's a, it's just some some time somebody made up. So you start digging into it. You find as many articles as you can find that mention the timing that he did, what he did during his pro day. They all confirmed that every single one of them was like, yeah, that's that's the time that he took up. And it's just wild seeing that kind of stuff where it's like, that doesn't even make sense as a number. I, I couldn't even imagine what it looks like for a player to run that fast. And he did it. It's there. It's, it's, it's locked in stone, man. I love that, you know, humans continue to, to surprise us and will continue to, to do so. Um, but like for like, I suppose it's only it's in more recent times that the the testing numbers and stuff are like, you don't have to go that far back for the, the numbers to really not be that available. I, I mean, I, I think sometimes we think that like, the 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 numbers go right back, and the NFL has always kind of done all of these stats and all of these tests, but that isn't the case, right? No, not at all. Um, the NFL was, was really stingy with the data. There, there's almost nothing from 1985 and 1986, which is the first two years of the combine. Um, I think they did it outdoors at that time. It wasn't in Indianapolis yet, uh, which is why you get you know the stories from Jerry Rice running in the four sevens. He he probably didn't. He probably ran in the in the four fives. Bill Wall said he ran a four five nine, um, which is still good for the people that say forty time doesn't matter all that much. That's still a, a good time for those people to to look to. Uh, but because we don't have you know that's not written down in a meaningful way that we can go back and look at, and the NFL doesn't release that type of information. He's still not still stingy about it. Uh, but it wasn't until about two thousand and five, somewhere between two thousand two thousand five, that we started getting much more solid reporting of the data. Um, the, the site draftscout.com it's run by guys, um, Rob Rang and guys like that have run it at times. Yeah. That's a really good resource for a lot of that data. They've been on, done a great job of collecting data from those times and stuff. It, you can really see when it started to get more secure because even they only have the 40 yard dash. They don't have the 20 split or the 10 yard split back then because they weren't recorded in the same way. They kind of got what numbers they could get. Um, and then it, it kind of goes forward from there. And I think it was 20, 2015 or 2016 where we were really starting to see those types of numbers where people were starting to put, post the stuff more routinely. The schools themselves would start to post numbers more routinely and we, we started to see them more 
not just uh, you know on social media, but on traditional media and news reports and things like that, and start to see the actual numbers. Prior to that, you might get a mention of it, and and that's all you'd get. You really had to dig into some tough sources to get that kind of stuff. Um, it's a lot of fun to do that research if you're crazy like me, but like if you're if you're looking for accuracy, it's very difficult. Uh, one of the biggest examples I like to point to is Randy Moss, because. Every year, it seems like I get a question about why do you have these these numbers for Randy Moss? I heard that he, he jumped a, a 42-inch vert, a 45-inch vert, 47-inch vert. It's like, yeah, you've heard all those numbers. It's, you go back and try to find exactly what Randy Moss did, and you'll find all kinds of numbers because it, he was a myth at the time, and people were just posting whatever they heard. And apparently, every single number from, from 35 to 52, I think, was the highest one that I saw. Uh, was the vertical jump that he had. And thankfully, we're a bit stricter now. We've got some some guidelines to how people report that type of stuff. And, and thankfully, sites like mine have kind of made it more accessible so people are able to do those comparisons. But yeah, you're right. You don't have to go very far back before it's just hard to find data. And I suppose for, for you, I, I know you... Um, taken on a, a team of interns and, and intern, you know, I suppose, you know, like who, how, what is your vision for where you would like to take this? The metric stuff is, is kind of where I wanted it to be. I want it to be an accessible way that people can, can research player testing and find it in a way that they can compare and contrast and do that types of stuff. The, the basic idea that I had is, is already kind of here. Um, I pulled in some interns to try to do some other stuff to try to explore it a little bit further because I'm only one person. I know that there's like things that we can find in the data that I have that I've never even considered looking into. I've never went and, and tried to dig into um, some, some I can't even, I can't, I can't imagine because I haven't thought of it, right? Um, but I'm, I'm sure there's stuff there that we haven't looked into. And it, it, it isn't that the data isn't there. It's that it isn't there in a way that's easy to evaluate and look into. Um, and because I, I have to maintain the site, I'm not just going to post the whole thing whole hog. So I brought in some people. I, I've been teaching them how to do SQL uh, coding so they can write queries. Um, they've been evaluating the data. And then we're trying to find different ways to visualize it. Uh, we're, we're, we're pulling in the uh, wingspan data for all the players for, for the last last 37 years so people can see that. Um, we're trying to look at player age. We're trying to modify the position grouping so we can get more more nuanced and more updated modern positional groupings rather than just the traditional ones. Um, and I'm really excited for the kind of stuff that they can come up with um, and the, the types of things that we can visualize from a data standpoint. It might be useful. It might not be useful. You know, Raz, Raz has its limitations as it is, um, but it's fun. And, and that's really what we're going for is, is trying to find a way to keep this stuff interesting and keep people interested in analytics and, and math and, and all that types of testing. And it's a lot of fun to do this kind of stuff and, and do so with people who are also interested in it and passionate about football. Yeah, no, I, I think everything like the game of anything should be for for it to be fun. I think we need uh, a lot more of that in our our world today. Now, you mentioned Byron and and Dallas as kind of being outliers as such, and you know Byron making you ultimately kind of change the, the system and and kind of looking at Dallas and just going, "Wow, are there are there other kind of moments that um, spring to mind where you know it has been." Um, you, you've really kind of just gone, wow, 
that did that did that really happen or kind of made you scratch your head um or or, or do a double take yeah you know it, on both ends of the spectrum for guys that tested extremely well and guys that you would expect to test well that don't um you know calvin johnson is is always talked about as one of the greatest athletes to ever put on cleats and his testing backs that up. He has the highest raw average of any player for Raz ever. His lowest test was a 97th percentile. I think it was his 10-yard split. And if, if your worst drill is still 97th percentile, that's that's really saying something. Um, but you know, we watched Jordan Davis last year in 2022 um, at, at 341 pounds, the, one of the largest players to ever test at the Combine. Uh, and he put up a 10 foot three broad jump, which is the best from any defensive tackle at the combine ever. And I think the second best for any defensive tackle ever, period, including all pro days, you know, seeing a guy come out and do that kind of numbers at that size, you know, his, his 40 yard dash was 99th percentile for a defensive tackle. And he's massive, huge, huge guy. And it's one of those things that like, like I mentioned with Alf Clark, it just doesn't make sense when you're thinking of what that should look like, you're, you're imagining what a guy that big would look like when he tests and you're wrong. You're what you're imagining in your head is wrong. And then you see him do it and it just, it just doesn't look real. And it's wild to see guys like that. Um, it's also fun to look at players like Anquan Bolden and Jarvis Landry who don't test well. Um, and I always use wide receivers when I'm talking about players that do well, but don't test well, because it's very easy to talk about the things that they do to overcome those types of things. And Anquan Bolden, you know, was was just not a fast guy. He, he wasn't fast. He wasn't particularly explosive from an athletic standpoint. Uh, and he was not, never quick. That was just never his thing. But what it, what it was was if the ball was in the air, that's his football. He's He's got that football. So if, if it's anywhere close to on target, you got to fight him for it. And he was winning that fight every single time. It's one of the most physical players to, to ever ever put on a uniform. And you think to yourself, can a guy win in the NFL long-term where that's his just being more physical than everybody around him? You know, he was he was fast enough. He was explosive enough. Um, we see this with Nuck Hopkins, too, with DeAndre Hopkins, where where he's he's got enough athleticism where you don't have to worry about it. But he doesn't win because he's more athletic than everybody. He has another thing that he does well. He's got ridiculous hands. He, he runs routes very crisply. He's very good at, at boxing out other uh, the, the defenders using his body. Um, you see those types of, of traits that aren't covered in the testing. And you have to think to yourself, will that work in the NFL? And sometimes that answer is just yes. You, you can't look at him and be like, well, this, this guy's never going to be. He's, he's just too slow. The numbers tell me that he's just too slow, but that's why you don't just go by the numbers. You got to watch the tape too, because if he's still fantastic on tape, you got to question whether or not that matters as much as you think. Yeah, that's uh, that's very fair. Um, kind of um interested in you know uh, just kind of football in in general and looking at at twenty twenty three um as we sit here today. Are there, I suppose, what are the things that, you know, intrigue you, um, good or bad, kind of looking at the at the the season ahead? Like, it can be a player, coach, GM. Again, it could be something that you're thinking, oh, I'm really interested to see how that, how that looks on the field. Or 
ooh, I have real concerns that that mightn't be good, and I'm wondering how that'll play out. Yeah, we're kind of seeing a turn. So I, I'm, I don't know if you've heard the term before that the NFL is cyclical. Um, the, the NFL is constantly just just churning and going back around to the exact same thing. We see that in NFL testing with cornerbacks and wide receivers because every couple of years you'll get these, this class of big, super athlete, you know, super fast and explosive wide receivers, um, yeah, but they use their size and their length to win, and teams counter that by drafting big, wide, wide-bodied, like long-armed cornerbacks who can counter those types of guys. And then the NFL will switch and they'll be like, okay, well, now we need to get smaller guys, which is what you saw this year. A lot of smaller receivers, you know, your Zay Flowers as Josh Downs. These are much smaller receivers than we usually see going in the early rounds because you want to counter those big quarters by getting small, shifty, quick guys, guys that can outrun them and, and beat them in space. And then the NFL counters by getting smaller, shiftier cornerbacks who can deal with those types of guys. It just goes around in a circle. Um, we've had the the little passing dominated NFL for several years now, for a while it's been going on. And we lost a bunch of the big name quarterbacks. They've all retired. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers is on the very end of his career. We started seeing these guys that have been around forever uh, and they're starting to go away and they're not really being replaced with the same level of guys. You're still getting some, right? We still get Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but we're not getting them in this. They're not matching the number of teams that we have. So you start seeing teams focusing more on the run game. They start they start focusing entirely on the offensive line and getting the run game going. And we talked about how the the running backs are being devalued for the last several years because of the passing game. And now we get Bijan Robinson. The Lions traded up for Jameer Gibbs. Zach Charbonnet got drafted in the second, despite the Seahawks having a, a stable. You know, teams are paying attention to that run game in a different way than they have in the last several years. It, it kind of started the, uh, about two years ago, and it's just it's just been getting more and more. Uh, it's been starting to roll higher and higher. And I'm really interested interested to see how well that works because it hasn't. During the, this whole passing thing for the last 10, 15 years, some teams have tried that, and it just hasn't really worked. And it, maybe it will this time. I'm a Lions fan, so I'm hopeful that it works this time because that's their whole jam is, is building through the run game. But I'm interested to see if it will because that's a different type of football. It's it's fun watching it for different reasons. Everybody loves watching those big plate catches and those acrobatic moves that guys do. But fans who have been around for a minute, they love watching those running backs who can bird, you know, break a tackle and run for 40 yards downfield. That's just as exciting, if not more so. And I'm really interested to see if that trend picks up because there's more teams doing it. And hopefully it does, and we get to see some more exciting football. And, and in terms of your own lines, I described, I suppose, that the last year the factory of sadness became the house of fun. And you know, what are your what are your expectations? Because we go into this season with people having the Lions as favorites for the NFC North, which is wild. They've never won the NFC North. Um, they, they've only ever won their division one time, which wasn't even the NFC North yet. It was the NFC Central. Um, you know, as as the NFC North, they'd never won it. But you know, it's it's wild because the first year when we had Dan Campbell, he he came into and he started talking about all these in, incredible football analogies and started talking about how he wants to build the team, the type of personnel that he wants, the type of players that he's looking for, the different types of athletic traits he was talking about, something about biting kneecaps, and then. It didn't matter that he talked about anything else. 
because he he's a, a weird, quirky guy who talks about biting kneecaps. And uh, it, it was just the whole narrative around that. And yet the, the roster was so depleted that nobody really expected much out of him. And then come in year two, he starts talking about we need to develop our players. We've got to we've got to develop, develop, develop. He talked about it with his coaches. He talked about it with his players. He talked about it with everything. It's always about developing. And the question was, are they going to put their money where their mouth is and actually show some development? And you see guys like Amon Ross St. Brown come out and and burst onto the scene and really do do a number on the NFL. All of their rookie their their higher rookie picks have done extremely well, except one who was injured, Levi Anzurike. Um, but every, every other guy they've talked about developing has developed and they've got coaches who are developing too. They had both of their coordinators get, get high profile interviews last year to the point where people were certain that Ben Johnson was going to get a job, their offensive coordinator. Um, and then he opted to stay with the team. So now it's that you've got to put up or shut up. You, you can't, you can't just, just talk about developing. You've got to talk about winning games and you've got to do that. You've got to win games. In both of the last two seasons, they started off really weak to begin the season and finished really strong. Can they come out at the beginning of the season and show that they belong? Or are they constantly going to be this coming-from-behind team? Um, I'm okay with it if that coming-from-behind continues into the postseason. But if you dick yourself a hole, you come into a situation like last year where you're playing for a playoff spot and depending on other teams to fail to make it in. They can't have that this year. They've got to. They've got to get in on their own merits. They've got to really show that they belong. And I wouldn't have thought they could do it in year three, but it's it's looking very promising. Yeah, although the NFL certainly uh, gave a, a difficult opening to to the season. I think '88 uh, was the uh, one and only time the Lions won in in Arrowhead. So that'll be uh, interesting to to see how how it goes. Um, this has been wonderfully entertaining to to chat to you. For uh, people on on this side of the Atlantic um, who want to check out, who uh, might not be as familiar with your stuff, um, but uh, have enjoyed listening to you and want to check out more, where can they do that? As you mentioned before, you can find me on Twitter at MathBomb. Um, I have my website at ras.football, uh, which I get another thing I tried to make as easy as possible is trying to remember the, the website. Uh, so you can go to ras.football and check out all of my work and my research there. And the interns will start posting stuff here uh, within the next couple of weeks, hopefully, trying to get their own work up on there as well. Um, and then you can always check out my mock draft simulator at profootballnetwork.com slash mock draft and, and go be your own GM and get used to the players you're going to see in the next draft as those guys come up. Um, but I'm always available to talk on Twitter, and I love talking football with everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm easy to please when it comes to that. Well, you have uh, incredible um, insight, but also incredible patience um, because, yeah, the, the Randy Moss stuff I have seen uh, come up, say, time and time again and a few other bits and pieces. But this has been really a, a good fun to, to chat to you. And I just want to you know, wish you continued success and thank you for taking the time to chat to me. I appreciate you having me on. I, I love, loved coming on. Enjoyed every bit of it.